Concealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Church government, how is it set up? And is it biblical? Is it set up the way the Lord wants it set up? We found that over the years, we to see an apostolic secession, and they're called bishops. In the way that the Word of God said stated up, there are two main offices that are spearhead in the present truth. It's not given to us just a partial truth, but given to us to know all truth. And that is all things. The Holy Ghost has given us to lead us and guide us into all truth, not partial truth. In Pentecost, during that reign in Acts the second chapter, where we've been in over 2,000 years, we saw through a glass darkly. Notice I said past tense. We saw in a glass darkly. But now, all truth is given to the body of Christ. Not in the sweet by and by. And there's two primary offices that God uses to do that. In Ephesians 3, Paul states, and I'm reading it to you, that he says, How that the revelation be made known unto me in a mystery, this mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, where and who is it revealed to? To the whole body of Christ. Or does he use a fivefold? And out of that fivefold, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Does he, does God himself, pick two primary offices to spearhead or to lead the body of Christ into all truth? And we see that Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 4 and 5, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, goes on, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, he goes on and says at this time, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with, with the Jews. Now, that certainly is a radical change because Jesus came to his own house, to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which are born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We see that. God said in the church, first apostles, Firstly, apostles. Secondarily, prophets, not bishops. The bishops in the apostolic succession, they call a bishop at, like Polycarp, or the different ones, uh, bishops. But the bishop is nothing but an elder in the church. And then, to help and assist, there are deacons and deaconesses in the church. But there are two primary offices, and that's what we have to understand, is that there's two primary offices, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. So the teachers, which are evangelists, pastors, and teachers, take the spearhead move of the apostles and prophets that God deals with on a personal basis with that anointing. And 
the greater that anointing, the greater the sufferings for that person is in that office. The office is the anointing, and it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And therefore, somebody said, well, I'm called to be an apostle. Well, if you are, then you prepare yourself because your sufferings will be great. Thereby think it not a strange thing whereby that tribulation, persecution, it worketh patience. You're kind of called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for him. So think it not strange, a fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are protectors of Christ's sufferings, and the glory of God resteth upon you, upon your head. Paul said, I suppose he set us apostles last to be an obscuring to all flesh. What did he mean by that? He said, for our sufferings is for your glory. That means for something to happen in the body of Christ, the real body of Christ, not a denomination. Someone suffers. Now, Jesus paid the price on the cross. We're complete in him and have need of nothing else. But there is, uh, in the body of Christ, a call to the cross. Not a crossless Christianity, which most of the churches today preach a prosperity gospel with a crossless Christianity. In other words, there's no crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. You can have the world and Christ too, which is a lie. Paul stated that we, as the body of Christ, we are always delivered unto death, that the life of the Lord Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal bodies. For we which live, the body of Christ, are always delivered unto death. Delivered unto death? I thought we were supposed to be blessed with big bank accounts, houses, lands, and cars, and whatever the case is. No. He has, uh, we find in Hebrews 11, those that forsook all, dwelt in caves, having clothed with sheepskins and goatskins, of whom the world was not worthy. We're seeing that unless a man has a high-dollar suit with a, an expensive watch hanging off his hand, then he's not really blessed of God, which is an error. Many of error thinking the gain is godliness and preaching blessings. You give God a hundred, he give you a thousand. Not so. Well, what is the truth? Notice that there's two offices there that spearheads the move of God in the proceeding word of God. And man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Does he still have apostles today? Of course he does. He put it in the word of God. Where did he ever pull it out? He didn't. He first put in the church apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. The teachers take that, that which is spearheaded through the apostles and prophets, and then the evangelists, pastors, and teachers bring it on down to the body of Christ. An apostle must have seen the Lord. And he must have, in that revelation of the word, the depth of it. And then be sent and go into wherever God has called him to go. But Paul said, God has put us apostles last. 
as the offscoring of all flesh, a spectacle of men and of angels, said in this present hour we do hunger. In the present hour we do hunger. All that he went through in the sufferings for Christ, there was certainly a cross there, crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust, and he said, follow me as I follow the Lord, as you have me for an example, an example of long-suffering. But we see that the church has not gone that way. He annulled it pretty well and said we go to a seminary and then we study this various uh, levels of, of uh, bachelor, master, doctorate, whatever the case is. And uh, then they have this slant on the doctrine of Christ. And everyone that comes to this particular denomination will have the same uh, various doctrine. Maybe a little different here or there, but the basics will be the same. The basics of salvation, the tenets of faith, they will all say the same thing. And this, they graduate and know that with that certificate, that graduation, that they can go to any church with that flavor, with that denomination, and be received preaching the same doctrine. But what it's done is it as a null, those two offices, apostles and prophets. When Paul says, I was not so disobedient to the heavenly vision, he received it from God. He did not receive it of man. He did not go to a seminary. He did not receive of the understanding of other men. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I didn't receive it of man. And that's the reason why he said he was faithful unto God not disobedient to the heavenly vision that's given to him, that he received three, three years on the backside of the Arabian desert. At that time, God gave him a fresh revelation of grace, and he called it according to my gospel. Well, the other apostles certainly had gone to the Jews. Peter had taken it to the house of Cornelius of the Italian band, the first Gentile household to be saved. But then Paul, as he tried to bring it to the Jew first, then he shook off the dust of his feet and said, then I'll go to the Gentiles. And this dispensation of grace, there and the explanation of it, the expositing of it, was give, given to us mainly by Paul, who wrote 14 books of the New Testament, and even especially in the first at Antioch, talking about whether the Gentiles had to be circumcised in order to be saved. It took them 28 years to be first called Christians at Antioch. But it called in question the church at Jerusalem, not because it was headquarters, but because that's where the doctrine came out of. Well, they went back to Pastor James. Peter first taking the pulpit, showed by his hand that the Gentiles came in the house of Cornelius. Then Paul, after Peter, took the pulpit and explained how that he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Then James also conferred and agreed and said yes in a direct agreement being brought it to the church. The church agreed all in one mind and one accord. And then they gave their judgment. And that's the way it stood. Whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There it was. And there we find that we have two apostles. We have Peter first, then Paul, taking the pulpit, showing the spearhead move of God. The book of Acts does not have an amen on it. God's still doing it today. They're still apostles, and it's not just because a person went out and said, well, I think I'm called to be an apostle and has a bunch of business cards printed up with apostle written on it. That means nothing. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. And that comes in the revelation of the word, seeking God diligently, and then being approved of God, not of man. So notice there, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. In the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 11, he said there's divisions, there's denominations, there's various doctrines of Christ being published out there that causes divisions in the body of Christ. And he that soweth discord in the body of Christ is an abomination. Well, it's man-made doctrine. And man said, well, God moved here, and they built up a whole denomination based upon that man's revelation and call it by man's name. And this has been the tradition ever since the Lord, death, burial, and resurrection and the apostolic succession of bishops. Bishops are nothing but elders, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But notice the division. And as long as the devil can keep the body of Christ divided, it will never come into the unity of the faith. They must bone be come to bone and make a joint, joining together. As long as he can keep division, then he can avert the word of God and a so-called kick the can down the road, knowing that he has but a short time, but yet buys himself more time. Well, the time has come. We're in, not Pentecost revelation, seeing through a glass darkly. We're in the last of the last days. On January the 19th, 2019, after preaching in a Maasai tribal church, Transamerica, Kenya, Africa, and that's where we believe the spearhead move came from right there and will be, and Africa will be a great leader in it, as well as India. The following many other nations will come in for this great last day, latter reign of the Holy Ghost. The Lord spoke in a visitation to us as I came across a bar titch after preaching and not sleeping for two nights and four hours of preaching, jumping a bar ditch, and the Holy Ghost visit us. It's so hard as all I could do to stand up. It went on for two hours. Basically, the bottom line, the Lord said, seal my people by my word. As I send the angel ascending from the east, so send I you. Well, that was very profound. And we thought, oh, flabbergasted. Moved. Joy could not then come out of that Holy Ghost uh, there move until about four hours later. And we felt the burden of it. 
Now many other pastors, ministers throughout Africa, India, Nepal, throughout uh, various Philippines, Australia, there, you're listening to the podcast, and you are sending us messages, and uh, we thank God for that, and it's coming into one. Those that are listening but are not, not that we're anything, we're servants to the body of Christ. I pop the rag, shine your shoes. I'm a shoe shine boy for you. We're nothing that we can boast in. There is what God is doing now in bringing the body of Christ together, and the body of Christ must come together. And look at Ezekiel 37, bone must come to bone. And he asked Ezekiel, strengthen of God, can these dead bones live? And it looks like it's scattered everywhere. There's over thousands of denominations throughout the world in Christianity. And everyone, some varying as to even whether there be a virgin birth. Who can be ordained to be a minister? And saying, well, we have to change with the times. And we've gotten more worldly in the church. And we're to come out of the world and be separate. But yet the world has come in. And through the tradition, the elders have made the word of God in that effect. Paul stated it this way to the church at Corinth. He said, for first of all, this is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, a local assembly, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There should be no division. He that soweth discord among the brethren is an abomination to God. But Paul goes on, why are there divisions? For there must be also heresy. Because when there's a division in the body of Christ, this one will go and say, well, we believe this, so we're going to get a band of, band of believers that believe it this way. No music in the church. Others will say, no, we believe it this way. There's gifts, but God, there's no such thing as talking in tongues anymore. And they'll have that. And then there's others that will have, and there's over thousands of denominations throughout the world that claim a Christian denomination registered throughout the world. Well, the thing is, who's right? Well, during this chaos, during this division, God moves and he's always had a foundation church that the gates of hell could not prevail against. And the devil knows it but he'll do everything he can to bring it down. He'll sow division and discord among the brethren. He'll have those of perils of brethren within the church that will try to overthrow it. We are very experienced in that. The ministers that we have put four, five, six years in to turn on us and try to overthrow the ministry. And simply because that they, through their own greed and being led what they thought was God, was 100% Satan, so literally so discord among the brethren hurt many people. Many of you that's been in churches have seen this happen. Church split after this or that because of discord. Well, Paul said there should not be this. And he stated it. There be heresies among you. A heresy is denomination. Now, Paul said heresies. If he had said denominations, then instead mankind would have heresies down here. But he didn't. He said heresies, which is the same as denominations. So mankind uses denomination. Paul said there'd be heresies among you. Why? 
that those that which are approved may be made manifest among you. Not approved of God, approved of you. You heap to yourself, teachers having itching ears. An orator. The way he speaks are uh, eloquent, enticing words of man's wisdom, making the word of God an effect, cleaving to them with flatteries. And we see this over and over again. And why? For filthy lucre, money, gain, thinking that gain is godliness, trying to promote their ministries. And it's the way the world does it. God does not do it that way. To be approved of God, you first be must temperate. Be If you strive for the mastery in God, you must be temperate or self-controlled in all things, all things of faith. And then you have to be willing to suffer for that anointing. The greater the suffering, the greater the anointing. The greater the call, the greater you're going to pay the price for it. Jesus paid the price, but you have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lusts. And Paul stated that in the body of Christ. He said, we're troubled on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Somebody said, well, that's the apostle, that the life of the Lord Jesus may be made manifest. But then he talked to the body of Christ. For we which live, the whole body of Christ, are always delivered unto death. Death? Yes, that's the cross. Dying to the flesh, taking your will and crucifying it with the affections and the lust that you can be a vessel meet for the master's use. There's no other way. You can go to seminary. You can get your uh, bachelor's, master's, doctorate of divinity, whatever the case is, PhD of theology, but it will mean nothing you have with the anointing until you have been found faithful in God. Many are called, but few chosen. And God then has to be called and then chosen and then faithful in that call all the way to the end. You have to do hardship as a good soldier. Why hardship? Because tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So the whole body of Christ is delivered unto death of the cross of Jesus Christ to crucify our flesh with the affections of the lust. So we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. For if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him as a joint heir with Christ, an equal heir. That's something that we do not and do not want in the worldly church. We don't want anything that reproves, rebukes, or correct in a trumpet voice of Jesus. We want to calm it down. We want to make it easy believism. Don't be radical. Don't say the word of God is the word of God because everyone knows that we have to adjust things because we're not living 2,000 years ago. We have to adjust it because of present day ideology. We have to change our whole attitude toward uh, one another and toward what the Lord said 
given through these holy men of God, the Theranuptis, the God-free word of God, and realize that God loves everybody. And he does not hold us to these, uh, these commandments that he has set forth and guidelines and precepts and statutes and judgments that we live by. In other words, you need to bring it up to date. You need to have a contemporary gospel, not an original Holy Ghost, divine, led of the Spirit of God in truth. No, don't do that, because if you do, you're going to offend people. So the world has developed something as an alternative. It's an alternate religion. It's another way. And everybody's going to heaven just called the easy way. You've said a, a road to you, take the easy way. Because everybody's going to heaven. But don't take that hard way of the cross. Don't think you have to crucify the flesh with the affections of lust. Don't go that sanctification thing. That was old-timey preachers, hellfire and damnation. Don't go that way. Go the easy way. And we're going to have great orators set up in the church for you. We're going to have great singers, musicians, and we're going to have something just as good as you'll find better than Hollywood, better singers, better musicians. We're going to have a better showtime for you than any of them. And, of course, what happens is the power of God's gone. And then the ones that supposedly are working in the gifts, we find are working in the soul realm, reading the soul. And by not working in the spirit of God, but in the soul realm, tell them what they want to hear. And it's easy to read the soul. The eyes are the window of the soul and what they read in there. And their spirits call familiar spirits. Now, I'm not saying everyone is. But you can best assured and rest assured that those that have suffered and paid the price will have a definite anointing of God in the Lord Jesus Christ that you will feel that cross. If you don't feel that cross, that sufferings and that glory that to be revealed in you, then it has not God. Christ has called us to suffer for him and a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. There's no other way. And that's the whole body of Christ. So Paul states, he said, the reason there are heresies, the reason there's different denominations is that those that are not approved of God but approved among you may be made manifest, that they can be seen. My pastor, my evangelist, not holding to a five-fold ministry that it takes the whole five-fold apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. You can't eat under one tree or one minister. Somebody said, well, I'm under so-and-so. I'm under pastor so-and-so. That's the problem. The body of Christ comes together. And... We see with Brother James that Peter's there and he addresses whether circumcision is required for the Gentiles to be saved. Then in Jerusalem, the church of Jerusalem, then we have Paul exhorts the brethren. And then we have James. Then we have the whole church. And then he sends prophets to confirm that word back at Antioch. And we'll put no other burden upon you and abstain from meats and strength, et cetera. And that's that. So it's that. The Lord allows the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, to function together as one man. Not one person, big dog, over the other little dogs. It doesn't work that way. God, matter of fact, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. For God has put the more abundant honor on the less comely parts. 
that there'd be no chism or division in the body. There should be no division, but yet we have division. Paul said it's simply because that those that are approved among you, not approved of God, approved among you, may be made manifest where they can be seen. You've lifted them up as keeping to yourselves teachers having itching ears. The worldly church, they don't want a trumpet. The trumpet voice of Jesus speaks the truth. You're going through the great tribulation. The trumpet voice of Jesus said you will overcome during this time. The trumpet voice of Jesus says that he that leadeth into captivity will go into captivity. That he that killeth with a sword must be killed by the sword. It's a church, not national Israel. Here is the faith and patience of the saints, the ones that are sanctified holy. But we are told, no, that's national Israel. Don't worry about it. It has nothing to do with you. And we make the word of God in none effect through flatteries, saying peace. You'll have peace. And behold, the sword reaches unto the soul. Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah stated, Lord, it is as if you have deceived this people, saying peace. And behold, the sword reaches unto the soul. Many people saying peace. Peace here, peace there. You're not going into any great tribulation. God wants you to have houses, lands, and cars. Don't worry about crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. He paid it all on the cross. You don't have to. You don't have to crucify your flesh with the affections and the lust. And just love yourself and uh, uh, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve in a normal appeal time of thinking get rich. It's a lie. It's a total hypocrisy. And the Lord will judge it, and he is judging it now. Why are we seeing judgments? Because when judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness. Who Jesus is. That's the whole reason that God said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Shall there be evil in the city, and I, the Lord God, have not done it? I reigned on one city and not on another, and still you wouldn't call upon me. That you may know and believe that I am he. Beside me, there is no other God. There is no Trinity. There is no Tunis. Father and Son being a different person. There's no oneness where the man is not God, but in the glorified man still has the spirit in him. But the man's not God, but he has God in him. No, that's not the doctrine of Christ. So because we have left our first love, if we do not repent, God will move the candlestick out of its place. Then we'll have no light. Take heed how we hear. Say, measure we meet with all shall be measured to us again. To him that hath shall be given. He'll have the more. In present truth, we have to receive it. If he doesn't, he said, if you do not hear, I'll take away that even which you have. You'll lose it all. So with Jesus, it's all or nothing. Why is that pressing? Why is that important? Why is it so critical now to hear the voice, the ministry voice of Jesus, the proceeding word of God in truth, because if we don't, he will pass over our fair neck and go to those that will. That's the reason he said, I'll turn the hearts of the fathers that are full grown to the children, the ones that are not, and the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And we're the one that brings it. The curse calls this will not come. And that's the reason why the transgression, the abomination of desolation is a transgression of desolation. It's because we've transgressed against God. 
His ways are perfect. His ways are judgment. All his ways. They'll let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. God tempted no man. For every man's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Lust can see bring forth sin. Sin can see bring forth death. Let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. Well, God didn't know. It's because God loves us and using a chastening rod. We have a lady in church now. Said, I'm clothed, fed. I have need of nothing. I'm increased with goods. And you know us now, knowest thou not, God said, you're poor, wretched, naked, uh, and destitute. Hmm. I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. Look at that cross. The fire of the Holy Ghost that will burn up all the dross, crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. Sanctify, sanctify yourself, both spirit, soul, and body, that you may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord. That's what he's telling. Lay to see it. They believe in a prosperity gospel. He said, all that I love, I chasten. There is a rod of God. He said, come and let us return to the Lord. For he hath torn, God, not the devil, the Lord has torn. He will heal us. He has smitten. He will bind us up. Why? Because he's trying to get us to turn to the real Jesus, the real God, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, not a trinity, not a tunis, not a oneness, but a Jesus only doctrine of Christ, and he will perform it. And those that hear will live. He's using two offices to spearhead that move, apostles and prophets. And those are the ones that will suffer and will crucify the flesh with the effects of the left according to that anointing and that office given to them. And Paul said, he said first, there are apostles. He said the apostles, and lastly, as an upscoring to all flesh, as a spectacle of men and of angels. This, all the sufferings that Paul went through. And he said, all of the sufferings uh, that we, the apostles, have is for you, your glory, church. Somebody has to suffer. Somebody in the fivefold ministry has to pay the price. Because if they don't, then the glory will not be revealed in the body of Christ. Paul states that. And that's a very little-known proof in the body of Christ today. You want to work the works of God? You've got to be willing to drink the cup, the cup of suffering. You have to be willing to set aside your own will, crucify your flesh, and all except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You strive for the mastery. You must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. And there you have to diligently seek the Lord your God. And as he leads you through that time with him alone and speaks to you, leading you and guiding you into your call, your ministry, just as he did Paul, just as he did John, just as he did Peter, each one. So is he still doing it today? And the day of miracles is not over. The greatest is yet to be seen in this latter reign of the Holy Ghost. 
which will make the former rain book of Acts pale in comparison. Be sure to listen to the voice of the Lord Jesus coming through the spearhead of two offices, apostles and prophets. The rest, as he sets in order, you'll see that he says in Timothy, many denominations say, well, we love everybody, and therefore, just because a person is effeminate or has uh, this in the way of a lifestyle, it's okay. We will ordain you. You can be married, divorced, married, divorced, and you can still be a minister in an office as an elder, our bishop, or deacon. The things have not changed in the government of God, my friend. He states that in Timothy. He states it in Titus. Take a look at what he says in Timothy. I'm simply reading. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> We're the messenger that says this is what the Word of God says. And we have left him. God hadn't left us. We left the ways of God. Our own ways have procured these things to us not God. He's always and ready and willing. Those that draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to them. We have to draw nigh to God first. Then he draws nigh to us. Then we can rebuke the devil and he will flee from us. We can resist him and he will flee. He said, this is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, now we think a bishop is the head of an apostle. That's not so. A bishop is simply an elder, a, a chosen office of one that has a good report and Holy Ghost filled, just as the Grecian women in the book of Acts. They become a, a dissension because their tables were not being waited on. The Grecian women then made a complaint because no one was waiting on their table. Well, they said it's not, and the disciples, the apostles met and said, it's not meet that we should leave the word of God in prayer daily to wait upon the tables of these Christian women. We will seek out seven men of good report, not just anybody, not just first person who raises their hand and said, I want to do it. Good report, full of the Holy Ghost. A prerequisite. You have to be full of the Holy Ghost. And then they're appointed. Notice, this is what Paul is stating here. He said, a bishop. This is an appointment. They're of the apostles over the churches. They are appointed. And this is how you appoint them. It's not up for debate. Are the church to vote in who they want to? And it says, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Notice that is the apostle that has spearheaded that appoint elders in the churches. Most of the time, they have, well, the church needs a pastor. It's put out and... Uh, it is uh, uh, put in newspapers and, and over the various denominations, whatever the case is, and the people try out for it. 
and the church votes on it or the deacon board or whatever, not the apostles. They pick out the one that they think will best assist the church and not lose members and be a good orator and etc. You're going the ways of the world. You don't want a trumpet voice. You've got a cornet, sack bolt. You've got a cornet. No, that cornet gets close to a trumpet voice of Jesus, but it won't hit the clarion sound. It won't hit that high pitch that will pierce the heart, the spirit of man. But it's close, but it won't do it. So it's a cornet. Then it goes to a flute. It gets softer. Then a harp, even softer. Then a sack bolt, sultry, and a dulcimer. Then it gets nasal. Not only soft, but nasal, where you can charm a snake with it. It cannot, it can't reprove, rebuke, and correct because there is no piercing, clarion voice of a trumpet. It's got everything but that. It's a herald of the church world that sets up the world man-made religion. It does not have the power of God. And until we turn back to that, we won't see it. Now, God's doing it. And that's the reason why in every service we've ever preached and ministers have used, they are preaching this real, true Jesus, the real Jesus. When you get through preaching, God wants to confirm his words. Tell them, any one of you that believe this word and you have a need, come forward now and believe God and God will heal that which is sick. He'll save that which is lost. He will, he will bind up the brokenhearted. Lay hands on the sick, they will recover. He's going to confirm his word with signs, miracles, divers, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Ghost. He always will. Now the devil will try to emulate that with signs, miracles, and lying wonders, but it cannot just as the gods of Egypt could not replicate Moses, the Christ through Moses and the miracles that he did, the judgment miracles to destroy those gods. And that is what he's doing today to those that have an ear. He's doing it. It's not something that's going to be, or came, you know, there's going to be something great coming. It's here for those that have an ear to believe. You have to stand up for it. If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. And those right now that are standing up, we have thousands of ministers right now in Africa and India that are making the stand, coming out of Trinity, coming out of Tunis and Oneness doctrines into the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ. Is it, is it easy for them? No, it's not easy for them. But they're willing to suffer for this time rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. They want the true, real Jesus. Well, somebody said, well, who are you? Nothing. We're absolutely nothing. No of our righteousness or our holiness that God does anything, but for his name's sake. But those that know the word of God and those that are wanting the government of God set up his way to do it his way and be blessed are then coming back under the word of God saying, let's see what God said. And let's find the true anointing of God and those apostles, those prophets, not just my pastor in one tree eating the abomination in the mouse, 
under one tree. Don't look under just one. Look for the body of Christ in a fivefold apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. It takes it all, not one, all working together. And that's the reason why working together for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to the edifying of the body of Christ. The body of Christ then edifies itself through the supply of the Spirit. Then the unity, coming into the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God, it gives greater revelation unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, of which every joint supplied. See, God, as he, as we go to the leading of the Holy Ghost and do the will of God according to the ability that God giveth, not man. Then God fitly frames it together. He does it, not us. He does it. Then he compacts it together. The devil can't get it, and he seals it. Compact seals it. And then it says to the measure of every part. That measure is the measure of faith given to every individual member in particular. You are important to the body of Christ. Somebody said, well, I'm not called a preacher. Yes, you are. You may not be called as a possible prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, but everyone is called to preach and be a, a living epistle for the Lord Jesus Christ, a, a royal priesthood, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Kings and priests to the Lord your God. You're that city. Every individual member is very important to God. As we said, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. God has put the above, a more abundant honor on the less comely parts. There'd be no chism of division in the body. There's many that live a shorter life and have shortened their life coming against the people of God. And defrauding that not your brother, and God's the avenger of all such. But we think, well, it's just a man not giving heed to the anointing and uh, uh, touch not my anointing, give my prophets no harm, so shall you prosper. They think it's outdated. The word of God's outdated. It's the apostles that set the bishops and elders in the church, not the other way around. And we'll see that. Paul says there, but here's the qualifications. You want to be that? A good work. You desire it. Well, this is the qualifications. It's not changed. It's forever settled in heaven. The word of God is forever settled in heaven, immovable, unshakable. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And that's not one wife at a time. That's a husband of one wife. Vigilant, sober. That means of a sober mind, love, power, and a sound mind, of good behavior, not running off at the mouth or speaking corrupt communication out of his mouth of good behavior. And it says given to hospitality, not self-serving or pride uh, and self-centeredness. Apt to teach, being able to teach the word of God. Not given to wine. Wine's a mocker, strong drink is cruel. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Not given to wine. No striker. No one that goes, well, if it doesn't do it, I'm going to, and we're going to go fight. A striker. No striker. No one that likes to fight physical uh, weaponry. 
and greedy of filthy, not greedy of filthy lucre, not wanting money. Well, I'll do this if you pay me. But must be patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, not covetous, not covetous. Well, I had not known idolatry, save the law said, thou shalt not covet, desiring something that is not yours. One that ruleth well his own house, not the house ruling you. God's ahead of Christ, Christ's ahead of the man. It is a man's responsibility to rule his own house. If he cannot rule his own house, oh, how can he rule the house of God? Having his children in subjection with all gravity. There's many that make a mistake there. They're saying, now, wait a minute, that's outdated. Having our children in gravity. We want to love our children. We want them to love us. Therefore, we choose love over parenting. We don't want to have authority over them. We want to be like-minded friends. We want to love them and them love us as an equal. You have just destroyed your child. Because if you do not parent and show the authority that God has and wants you to do in a storge love, that is a parental love for your children. And he that loveth the child beateth him many times, many times. That beateth does not mean to strike and, and, and blow, but it means in a control, self-control, and loving manner to train up that child in the way they should go. Not beat them, but train them up as... It just says you train up a horse. Somebody say train up a horse, yes. Because that train is the same thing that as they understand right from wrong, good from evil. And in the formative years, train up that child that they should go. And when they're older, they will return to it. They will not depart from it. That's a promise. And the first, that first uh, promise there with a reward for the children to look, to obey their parents. Now, I didn't say love their parents. said obey their parents in the Lord. Why? That your days may be long upon the earth. Now, many have shortened their days because of that. That is a law of God. And he's already given us the statutes, the precept. He's showed us exactly what's going to happen in the judgment if we don't. And he says that the children to be in subjection with all gravity, not the children to run the household, but the parents, through the authority, they're not in love the child, but to parent the child. Of course, love, because when you love, you give them that authority. And by doing so, when they're grown, they will accept the authority of God. The ones that don't, most of the time, will not accept the authority of God and will not be subject to God. They'll do their own thing because they have not been trained up the way they should go later on in life. So it says... For a man knows not how to rule his own house. That's his whole household. How shall he take care of the church of God? There's going to be problems there. The devil's going to try to get in. And the man of God must have uh, the leading of the Holy Ghost and being able to handle each of those situations. And if he can't do it in his own household, how do you think he's going to be able to do it in the house of God, the church of the living God? 
he will not be able to. Well, he says, not a novice, not a newcomer. You haven't been tried. You haven't been through the fire yet. Lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. The devil can condemn him before God. Say, look what he's doing. He's lying, cheating, stealing. Or he has done falsehood here. The accuser of the brother. And the devil condemns. God's holy. He's just. And therefore, we must be holy as God is holy. And we must be not a novice, not a new, newborn, newcomer, because he has not gone and learned and been through the fire yet. And that takes experience. So tribulation, work with patience, patience, work at that experience. They have their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. And moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, not lying, cheating, steal. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, God can forgive anyone. But a person that has been a child molester, a uh, one that has been a wife beater, or doing his children that way. Well, even though they've been reformed, whatever the case is, God forgive them. That's what's wonderful. But to hold an office in the church, he must have proved himself and not fall into reproach. Somebody say, well, look, there's what's leading the church, and that was a that's a child molester or whatever. Well, that brings a reproach. You must have a good report, not only within the church, but those without as well. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So we've got the same qualifications for the deacon. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. In other words, your conscience bearing you witness in the Holy Ghost that you are right with God. Blessed is a man that will not condemn himself in the thing which he allows. He has a good conscience toward God. A pure conscience. That he's doing the will of God as the Holy Ghost is leading him. And let these also first be proved. Prove them. Don't just throw them in the office. And they said, well, God wants me to be in your ministry, brother. And you say, okay, here, I'll put you there. Yeah, and you have this office. You know, you're a deacon or you're a bishop. You're an elder of the church. You're headed for trouble. They must be proved. And they had that experience that they have learned through tribulation, through patience, through long-suffering, that that love of God is manifest, and then say, well, through the experience, you can have that office of a bishop, office of a deacon. Who appoints it? Well, the, the apostles do. We find that. <laughs> Not the body of Christ giving a vote and say, well, I want that one. And never go, well, no. He had the majority vote, so you're the pastor. <laughs> no, that's not the way it was set up. It was the apostles. They had the spearhead move of the church, and they had set that church and founded it. And then they said, based upon the experience that we have, and these men that we know that are proved, prove it. Good report with them without. They all able to rule their own household. Then they set them up as a bishop. 
or a deacon. Then it says, Even so, let them be first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Not just put there, but during that tenure of being a deacon to be found blameless. And it says, Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers. Many a person, sometimes the, the man can have a pure heart, but the woman hates and, and is uh, uh, totally against the man even being a deacon or a bishop and slanders other people, self-centeredness, egotistical, self-serving. The wife then must also be looked at that not a slanderer, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Here again, not one at a time. Husbands of one wife. Calling, ruling their children and their own house well. Same as a bishop. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, these things I write unto you, Timothy, hoping to come unto you shortly. Now, it is virtually the same with Titus, his son in the Lord, to Paul. And he says to Titus, who's also an apostle, and he says, uh, in these times, he said to Titus, this is Titus chapter 1, verse 4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, the Son of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and or even the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee at Crete. Why? That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, the order of the church, and ordain elders in every city. The local church as I had appointed you. So it came from the apostle to his son of the Lord, another apostle, who was uh, an apprentice to Paul, Paul the mentor, and uh, the pedigree being uh, Titus. And he says, there I want you now, in each city, I want you to set up elders in every in every the local church in every city, as I've told you. Not let the church vote, no. Know them that labor among you. And these are the guidelines. And he tells Timothy, Titus, the same as he told Timothy, here is your guideline, the guideline that you go by. And he says, he said, therefore this cause I left thee that you would set in order the things that are wanting that still need to be done, ordain elders in every city at protege to Paul, the apostle, as I had appointed thee. If any man, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, not one at a time, one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. That means that that child, they have children out there that they can't rule. They're riding. They can't, uh, you know, they're not controlled. They do whatever they want to do. Then they would not be qualified for the bishop. 
And he says elders. This is required for an elder, a leader in the church, in the local body. And he says, uh, uh, for a bishop. Now he changes it from elder to bishop. A bishop is an elder. An elder is a bishop. They're appointed uh, the apostles. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, don't love to fight, not given to filthy lucre, not after money, but a lover of hospitality, loving the saints of God. Be careful to stra- entertain strangers. Some of you entertained angels unawares. Always be given to hospitality. A lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught. He's been taught and found faithful in it. Not just chosen, called or chosen, but faithful in that calling. That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers, those that are after money or for their own personal gain, that these men, through their testimony, testimony of Jesus, that they can be won over. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, trying to avert, whose mouths must be stopped. So you can't just let them keep running on. You have to reprove, rebuke, and correct. Those mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, turning whole houses over, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake, for money. They're trying to get money. Coming against the men of God, the leaders, the apostles, and then against the elders or bishops. And he goes on and says, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own. Notice, Paul said that there is a prophet of their own kind. A prophet. Said the Cretans are always liars. Evil beasts slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them in a soft tone. Rebuke them and say, look, I know God loves you. Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. We don't find that. Rebuke them sharply. (laughs) Not giving heed to Jewish fables to mysticism and commandments of men that turn from the truth, the truth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses, when you read Moses in the Pentateuch and that Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there's a veil over Moses, the face, the glory. But when it turns to Jesus Christ, that veil's taken away. It's no longer concealed, it's revealed in the Lord Jesus, he is the Christ. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is Jehovah. He is the, the Elohim, the El Shaddai. He is the Elof to the Tav. He's the Alpha to the Omega. He's the A to the Z. He's all the attributes of God. Christ Jesus, he is the one. The one and only. Not a trinity. Not a two-ness, a binary or a oneness, where the man's not God, but has God in him, 
sitting at the right hand of God. No, he's not sitting at the right hand of God. He is set down with the Father in that throne, Revelation 3.21. We have left the true doctrine of Christ, and that's the reason why God's judgments are in the earth to reprove, rebuke, and correct us to the real Jesus. And that's the reason he said, come and let us return to the Lord. For he's, he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. In the third day, which we're in now, he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. If we follow on to know the Lord, that's an ill. We have to follow on to know him. His going forth is prepared as the morning. He will come to Perusia. He will come to us as the rain, not rapture, the rain, the former and the latter. Ask you of the rain in the time of the latter rain. So will the Lord make bright clouds send forth showers to everyone grass in the field. That's what we are to do and expect God and stand steadfastly in the faith. And those that come against us subvert houses, rebuke sharply. Don't let them stop their mouths, not with physical force, but with the true word of God in a reproof, rebuke, and correction. And he goes on. And to the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. They don't think anybody's pure. And there's nothing as holiness. Everything to them is, you can't live it. You can't do it. It's impossible. So just go on and do your own thing. Well, to them that are defiled, all things are defiled. And, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Why do they say that? Because their conscience is defiled. They're defiled within and without. Because Christ does not rule and reign in their bodies. They do not follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, they come against everything that does. They profess that they know God. Now all of them say, I know God as well or better than you do. <laughs> but in works, they deny him. Watch them. Do they have the fruits of the Spirit? You'll know them by the fruits. Galatians 5.22. Love. Did they show love? Love, joy. Do they have joy? When you find the joy of the Lord is our strength and that joy unspeakable and full of glory in the leading and power of the Holy Ghost, do they, do they manifest that? Do they have a testimony of that? Love, joy, peace. Do they live in peace? Or do they fight constantly in their own households? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Do you have patience, long-suffering for another person? Or do you get rattled and mad because they just can't get what you're saying and your great revelation you have? Or do you spend time, long-suffering, gentleness, with a gentle and meek and quiet spirit, apt to teach and gentle, not trying to blow them away with your knowledge of the word. <laughs> Gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law. Do you see that self-control? That's how you judge. No, not that they profess they know God. All profess they know God. They're apostles. Don't believe it. Ask them. They're prophets. Don't believe it. Ask them. They'll tell you real quick. 
but do they have the works? He says, in works they deny the Lord, being abominable, abominable, and disobedient. They don't do, and the leading of the Holy Ghost. They don't do what Jesus said do. And unto every good work, reprobate. Good work. You know, provoking one another to good works, not tearing down the body of Christ, but provoking unto good works, one another. Through the supply of the Spirit, with every joint supplies to the edifying of itself. Do they edify the body of Christ, or do they come over there and tear down, speak evil of the body of Christ? Watch them. Because at this time, that can cost a person their walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. We are to seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anything that does not and subverts faith, leading captive silly women laden with their sins, we're to rebuke sharply in the Lord Jesus Christ. In sound doctrine, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Holy Ghost. And there the Lord will be glorified. Always is. The ones that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Get ready for it. Because you're going to be hated of all nations for his name's sake. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 states it. But we will prevail. They'll cast truth to the ground, but they can't destroy it. Trouble on every side, but not distress, perplexed, but not despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And we, the body of Christ, as we look to this proceeding word of God, there's two offices that's going to bring it to us. And the Lord will. You'll see the sufferings and the glory manifest through them, not for their own works of righteousness, which they've done, but the righteousness of God by faith, God confirming his word. And you will know them, that labor among you. Rest assured, the Lord, when you seek for him with your whole heart, you will find him. He will put this and place the body of Christ and fitly frame it together as it's pleased him, the Lord, putting it together. And we must join one to another, not in denominations. It'll never be. It'll be in the body of Christ. And we find that, and I'll leave this with you. In Hebrews 12, the Lord hath promised yet once more, he shakes not only the earth. He did that in the days of Moses, in the exodus of Jews from Egypt. He came down upon Sinai on their Pentecost and the mountain shook and it burned with fire and the voice of a trumpet sounding louder and louder. That's what he's doing now. We're going to see judgments and more judgments of God escalating and increasingly louder as he reveals his name the true Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ, that he is all. He is the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, El Shaddai, Elohim, Jehovah, he is, Jesus is that God. And when we turn to that, we will be saved. He said, I'm not going to shake it just once more, as I did in Egypt, delivering you out of that into the promised land. The mountain shook with fire, with an earthquake and fire, trumpet becoming louder and louder. 
as the Lord manifest himself there on Sinai. That was a great move of God. But yet, in these last days, no more will they say, blessed be the Lord God that brought up his people out of the land of Egypt. That won't even come into mind because this last day work will be far, far greater. But blessed be the Lord God which brought up his people out of the land of the north, south, east, and west, whithersoever he had driven them. And that's the work that we're in now entering into. We must hear the voice of God and come together. It is imperative, essential that the body of Christ comes together. Not through denominations. Don't think it's going to be there. That God's going to send a man to your church and you're going to say, oh, well, here he is. No, it's not going to happen that way. He will send you and that those that are seeking him with a pure heart, diligently seeking the Lord God, he will lead them out. How do we know that? Because the Lord said yet once more, I seek not only the earth, but also heaven. That's the last day work of the ministry. That's the latter ring of the Holy Ghost. When the desire of all nations shall come, all the silver and gold is his, and he'll make the glory of the latter house greater than that of the former. Haggai 2. That's the 21st day of the seventh month in tabernacles, not Pentecost. We're in a different season to those that have an ear to hear. He said, I all, I'm not the earth only, I'm shaking also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed. I'm removing them as of things that are made. What are things? Faith is the substance of things. Well, what is man-made faith? Man-made doctrine. Things that are made. They're not the doctrine of God. They're not the doctrine of Christ. Well, everything that is man-made things, man-made doctrine, man-made faith, God said, I will remove it in this last day move of God. This shaking that I do. I don't shake the earth only, but also heaven. That all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Every man-made thing will be removed. So that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. That's us that are left behind. We're the remnant. I proceed to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That is, uh, those are the redeemed. They keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Revelation 14, 12. That's us, the body of Christ. Seeing then that we have a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace. How do you grow in grace? At the revelation of Jesus Christ, grace comes to you at that revelation. And grace reigns through righteousness, growing up in him in all things. That's Romans 5. Grace is not just alone. Grace reigns through something. Through what? Through righteousness. That's the revelation of Jesus. In obedience to the, law, the Holy Ghost. Obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, that's a carnal mind, you still die. Or of obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. Those are the ones that are obey the leading of the Holy Ghost unto the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Seeing then that we have a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us have grace. We've grown in that grace. Whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Oh, earth, earth, earth. Hear ye the word of the Lord. If the Holy Ghost has spoke, bore witness with your spirit. 
We'd love to hear from you. Be one with you. And you'll see the contact information on your screen. All you have to do is contact us. We will get back to you. Love to meet you and work together in the work of the ministry. Gathering together into one, all things, which is the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world, has been for one thing, to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, that's the will of God. And we are doing that. The body of Christ are being gathered into one right now through the leading of the Holy Ghost. Not any of our righteousness or our holiness, but simply in obedience to the Holy Ghost, the will of God. God working in, working in us both the will and the do of His good pleasure. And thus, we do the will of God. And by doing the will of God, we have entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did well. You did good. Enter down to the joy of the Lord. Well, if this there, be sure and contact us and look for those uh, 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 reading of the word of God in a spearhead move of those two offices. The preceding word of God, that living rhema word, that sword of the spirit is through those two offices which leads the body of Christ, all of them, then the teachers, and then all throughout the body of Christ, fitly framed together. He's doing it now. Be sure and be attentive. Let us all be attentive, very attentive to the voice of the trumpet, the Lord himself. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.